This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next-generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Rubin. And today I'm joined by Nick Guthman of Blue Future. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. And uh, I've been meaning to have you on this podcast for a while now, so I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Um, could you start off by telling our listeners a bit of background about Blue Future, how long you've been around, what your mission is, and what you're aiming to do here in the future? Absolutely. So um, uh, Blue Future is a youth-led um, political action committee uh, that was started um, by nine young people, uh, including myself, um, in February of 2018, uh, realizing the moment and opportunity we had to make a difference in the 2018 midterm elections. Um, we knew that young people across the country were fed up with what was happening. Um, and we thought that, you know, there was a space, uh, for us to exist and support young people who, uh, not only wanted to register their friends to vote and get them out to vote, but also be organizers for campaigns and uh, you know, knock on doors for uh, progressive candidates in their area, uh, make phone calls and have phone bank parties, um, send text messages and really become activists. Um, and we knew that a lot of youth engagement organizations exist uh, and very few, however, uh, are able to do political work to support directly uh, candidates who will represent uh, the values of our generation, uh, and that I think we share with many folks uh, listening uh, to the podcast. Um, and uh, so in 2018, um, we raised funds to make grants to students in 20 competitive congressional districts in 10 different states from coast to coast. Um, and we had a really great time. And most importantly, we had a tremendous impact uh, in almost every single one of those districts. 17 of the 20 flipped from red to blue. And in the three that we lost, the candidate lost by less than 7,000 votes. Uh, and uh, we felt really good about all of that. Young people stepped up, again, not only to register to vote, which is critically important, but to become organizers for the campaign. Uh, and we were happy to play a small role in, in helping to fund that work, helping to train the students, uh, get the media support, uh, and, uh, and other press engagement. Um, and now um, we are really excited to continue uh, building on our model that we think is very effective, um, very cheap relative to most other organizing programs because young people know how to stretch a dollar um, and know that resources are tight. Uh, and we're excited to grow um, uh, uh, into 2020 um, by first working on the Virginia elections uh, coming up this year, and then massively scaling our program from 20 districts to maybe 40 or 50 congressional districts uh, in uh, 2020, where it will all be on the line. So here at Millennial Politics, we're obviously 
big believers in the power of youth. But I'm curious, as someone who founded a youth-oriented PAC, what did you see in that opportunity? Why did you decide to focus on engaging college students and getting them active and getting them to participate? I think, you know, we we knew, us, myself and, and nine of my closest friends who are all co-founders of the organization, we knew the tremendous power we had. We, it was, it was our own story uh, that really led us to develop this organization. We were all involved with College Democrats uh, in our, you know, at university. Uh, and we knew that we were more than just our votes. We knew that we were more than uh, just showing up to the polls. Um, our story uh, individually told us that we could organize, we could recruit volunteers, we could host phone banks, we could mobilize people to knock on doors. Um, and we really did believe that there were a lot of other young people across the country just like us. Uh, yet we collectively, we were all under-resourced. We were all sort of reinventing the wheel, struggling to make it by, uh, covering costs that uh, students could not afford, um, and uh, we we thought that there was a huge opportunity to support students uh, who are dealing with this challenge of how can I make a difference in the world? Um, maybe get a little pay to do it, <laughs> uh, and most importantly, how can how can I bring more people into this world of social change? And what can I do? Uh, or what ways can we make it easier for students um, to expand sort of uh, our base of organizers and activists? Um, and we, we sort of had a hunch that, that this would work and that there would be lots of folks out there, uh, particularly ahead of the crucial midterm elections. And um, uh, we believe that the model worked uh, and, and the students that we worked with were just brilliant all, all across the country. And I think on a macro level, when you look at some of the demographics, the millennial generation is the largest voting block now, but we just participate at lower rates. So 83 million millennials in the United States are eligible to vote. If we all were to show up, I think Bernie Sanders made this point the other day, if we were all to show up, we could transform this country. And for the first time, I believe in 2018, millennials and Gen X actually outvoted baby boomers in the silent generation. And we're kind of in this transitory moment. So the work that folks like Blue Future are doing along with all of the other great progressive youth-oriented organizations are really moving the needle in a way that can have tremendous impact. Is that consistent with how you're approaching it? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what we uh, sort of share with our students um, as they um, are faced with the challenge of you know, sort of fighting for students' attention. There's so much going on on campus. There's classes, of course. Uh, there's social activities. There's other clubs to be involved with. Uh, and there's other, you know, ways to make a difference in the world. We, we try to, you know, repeat over and over and over the, the message that uh, if we all showed up, uh, both, you know, Gen Z now, millennials, Gen X, um, our representation at the federal level, the state level, uh, the local level, you name it, would be drastically different. And it is possible. We just have to do it. We have to organize. Uh, we have to invest in young people who are making uh, a real impact in their communities. 
Uh, and so I totally, totally agree. And, and just one additional point, you know, G- millennials and Gen X combined did outvote uh, older generations. But one thing that we were most proud of since our work is directly focused on sort of youth ages 18 to 24 is that the youth vote, um, you know, doubled uh, compared to 2014 uh, or more than doubled and uh, was, you know, the highest turnout in a midterm election uh, in over a half, you know, quarter century, I think, since the 70s. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're really excited about that. And we know that that number, you know, we have a lot of room for growth. <laughs> it went up to 31% in 2018. Uh, ages 18 to 29 voted at 31% rate. Um, that's good, but that's one in three. Uh, so we need to organize and get those other, you know, two folks uh, out of the three to uh, uh, come out and vote and hopefully turn them into campaign volunteers to get other people involved. I agree 100%. And I think when people look back at the 2018 midterm, um, I have a feeling that there are people who will just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, it was the Trump effect. It just Donald Trump just inspired more people. When in reality, groups like yours, groups like mine, um, swing left, flippable, run for something, you know, Planned Parenthood, all these other the ACLU, all these other organizations did intense work and intense investment in turning out the vote. So they organized from 2016 to 2018, and we saw the results. Whereas I think there is a a tendency um, to just kind of look back and say, oh, well, it was just the Trump effect. People were on the ground doing this work to ensure that 2018 went the way it was. And now you're actually doing the same thing in the run up to 2019 and 2020. Most people don't know that there are going to be elections this year in 2019. Can you talk about some of the work that you're doing in the run up to these quote unquote off cycle elections? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's no more off cycle uh, <laughs> anymore. Um, uh, there's always an opportunity to make a difference in, in campaigns, uh, whether it's locally or at the state level. Um, and yeah, there's several states that are having uh, state statewide elections uh, in 2019. Blue Future, we're really excited to get involved in Virginia. Um, uh, we are based in D.C. and uh, I went to American University and when I was doing college Democrats work at uh, AU, we would always mobilize into Virginia to go knock on doors uh, and things like that. So we're really excited to play, play a role this year uh, in, in Virginia because, um, you know, a lot is at stake um, for the people of Virginia and, and for our country as a whole, because, um, you know, on the one hand, uh, as we saw in the 2017 state legislative elections and the governor's race in Virginia, it, it sort of became, uh, the dominant narrative about what would happen in 2018 and Democrats won big time in Virginia in 2017. Uh, and, and then we won big again in 2018. So uh, moving into this year, um, we need to uh, show our strength as uh, progressives and as Democrats. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the balance, uh, the partisan balance of both the Virginia Senate and the House of Delegates um, is very, very competitive, very close. Um, the Republicans have a majority by just two seats uh, in each chamber, I believe. Uh, and uh, we, we believe and we know, based off of uh, the impact young folks had in flipping 
some incredibly close seats at the congressional level in 2018, the young people will play a crucial role in uh, hope, hopefully helping to flip uh, the uh, Virginia state legislature so that we can have a democratic trifecta with the Senate, the House of Delegates, and the governor's mansion, uh, and really, you know, move on some incredibly important issues uh, that are not only important to young people, but will help improve the lives of all people in the state of Virginia. Uh, so we're really, really excited about that and happy to talk more about, you know, specifically what we plan to do. Yeah, let's let's dive into that. What are some of the issues that you're seeing to be particularly relevant uh, to this upcoming race and to the state of Virginia in 2019? Yeah, I mean, there are so many, and uh, we could spend hours upon hours talking about all the reasons why it will be important to have uh, progressive representation um, in the state of Virginia. Um, two that that we are most focused on. Um, and we think are particularly important to young people. And this has been informed by the students who we're going to work with uh, at different schools uh, throughout the state. Um, one is gun violence. Um, uh, it, it just seems like no matter what tragedy takes place, there will be no movement on this issue uh, unless, uh, you know, Democrats have control. Uh, because the NRA is just so deep in the pockets of so many folks on the other side. And for what it's worth, the NRA has their headquarters in Virginia. Uh, and so I think a lot of students are, are you know, feel it, uh, particularly in that state. Um, and, you know, just recently there was uh, another tragic shooting in Virginia Beach. Um, and so we're excited to work with the Brady campaign and some of their uh, young folks through Team Enough. Um, to hopefully mobilize voters uh, to support candidates who will pass meaningful legislation around gun violence prevention um, uh, so that people in Virginia can be, you know, a little bit safer, hopefully. Um, and, and I think the other big issue, um, as we're seeing this sort of coordinated attack on um, reproductive freedom across the whole country, it's, you know, now more than ever, it's important that we have uh, uh, representatives who uh, will protect a, a woman's right to choose and make, you know, decisions about their body and about their family. Um, and it's about so much more, I believe, than just, uh, you know, having an abortion. It's about freedom and freedom to do what you want for yourself and for your family. Uh, and uh, we have to stand up uh, for that. And so um, we're excited to also work with Planned Parenthood's Generation Action, uh, uh, you know, students who uh, are all over the state uh, organizing for candidates who will fight for reproductive rights. Um, so, you know, those are two of the top issues. We could talk about climate. We could talk about, you know, um, the census and redistricting uh, and all of those things. And we believe that uh, uh, having democratic control of uh, the state legislature um, will lead to you know, real improvements for the people of Virginia.
Hey everyone, I'm Nathan. And I'm Dylan. And as you know, Millennial Politics is totally independent and volunteer run. That means every podcast you listen to, every article you read, and every tweet you see is created by a dedicated team of volunteers. It also means that we can say what we want to say when we want to say it, but we rely on listeners just like you to support our work. We hope you'll consider supporting us by subscribing at patreon.com slash millenpolitics. Every dollar will go directly towards our mission of shining a spotlight on progressive candidates, causes, and organizations. And if you subscribe at the ambassador level or more, we'll send you a free copy of How Our Government Really Works Despite What They Say. It's an award-winning book about the intricacies of American government. And you'll get to join our exclusive ambassador Slack channel and get to hang out with us all day, every day, I pretty much live there. So if that appeals to you, come join us. And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown. Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N politics and join the movement. All right, now back to the show. And we've already seen how some of that has taken shape. In 2017, there was a battle for the Virginia House of Delegates, um, and I believe that the differential was, you know, 15 or 17 seats, and they came within two. Um, but with the statewide elections, a Democratic governor was installed, um, and they ultimately ended up expanding Medicaid and giving uh, health care to hundreds of thousands of people. So when we think and say over and over again, elections have consequences. They really do. And, and they have a real impact on people's lives. Um, and some of these uh, climate initiatives, uh, reproductive initiatives and, and gun control initiatives, um, they have the ability to truly save lives. Um, so again, I know we emphasize a lot on this podcast how important civic engagement is, um, but it it's really something that Uh, can impact people's bottom line and can impact their health and can impact their day-to-day. So thank you for the work that you're doing there. Um, And I'm curious, as a small organization, how do you juggle the the various priorities? Because with the Democratic primary heating up, it's hard to ignore the 2020 race, even as these 2019 elections are coming up. Are you also preparing for 2020 at the same time that you're working on 2019? Yeah, it's tough, uh, as I'm sure you know. Um, resources are limited, uh, and the extent to what we can do, um, uh, you know, is it's a balance to figure out. Well, we we want to have an impact uh, in as many places as we can. We know uh, that there are young people everywhere who are doing incredibly important work, who are organizing their friends and their families and their communities. Uh, uh, to you know, get out the vote amongst other things and become uh, involved with uh, various campaigns at the local level. We get requests all the time. Hey, I'm working on this, you know, uh, city citywide election. Uh, is there anything y'all can do to help us out? And um, you know, we do our best to to uh, meet everybody's needs, but uh, we can't do it alone. And we we do lean on our partners and try to connect folks that way. Um, so you know, we're we're making strategic investment investments in Virginia, in part also because it helps us to build out uh, a more robust network of students in that state as it will be, uh, you know, an important state in 2020. Um, but, 
uh, all eyes are on the prize uh, for us as we look towards 2020 and we're laying that infrastructure now uh, in a couple, you know, in a couple ways. Um, one, we're, we're trying to build out uh, and a couple different revenue streams that will enable us to be in a, uh, a position to, again, scale our work in 2020 uh, and um, be able to move more money into the pockets of students locally who are just, again, doing um, the incredibly important work of organizing uh, young people uh, to get out to vote. Um, and then the other you know, way in that, that we're laying the groundwork for 2020, and this is you know, my favorite part, is uh, every week we're having calls with student leaders in key states and key congressional districts um, and uh, listening to them, trying to better understand the challenges that they face as leaders of their club, uh, uh, you know, either it's College Democrats or Planned Parenthood's group or a gun violence prevention chapter on a campus or a climate justice group with the Sunrise Movement, you name it. Um, we get to set up calls with some of the brightest young people in the country who are fighting for real change. And uh, we, we simply ask them, what, what challenges are you facing and how might we be able to help? Uh, and that, that starts us off on a really good path. And, and we you know, stay in touch with folks uh, as we're leading up to 2020. And uh, we're really excited to kick off our organizing program uh, much earlier uh, in the cycle than we were able to in 2018, because uh, we know that it takes uh, early investments to truly make a difference, especially for young people, but again, for all people and all organizations. So moving that money uh, ASAP <laughs> is probably the most important thing we can be doing. You've mentioned a, a few times your work engaging uh, different college campuses and universities. Where are you most active? What schools do you have the largest presence on? Our model is really based off trusting student leaders to be, uh, you know, the spearheaded, you know, groups uh, or spearheading groups that that will mobilize folks. Um, and so our presence is a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, if you will, you know, students listening to this may or may not have heard of us because we sort of work through existing organizations and structures and trust that the message uh, or the, the brand of, you know, um, uh, the climate justice group might be best for a particular uh, district or school. Um, uh, but with that being said, we've got, you know, uh, dozens of student leaders who are um, heads of organizations uh, in, I think right now, 16 different states. Um, we were in 10 states in 2018, all focused on the congressional uh, races. Uh, and uh, over the last six months or so, we've been expanding our network into key states where there will be a, a competitive race for a Senate seat. So states like Arizona, uh, Colorado, Texas, Georgia, um, uh, to name a few, and there are several more. And then we're also expanding uh, into, of course, the presidential battleground states um, uh, in places like Wisconsin and Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, North Carolina, Nevada, uh, you know, uh, almost everywhere <laughs> because we know so much is on the line. And uh, it's, it's really been a privilege to be able to talk with uh, and listen to so many students all across the country. Um, so it's hard to pinpoint a place where we have the strongest or the most presence, um, but I might give a quick shout out to my home state of California, just where 
you know, there were so many competitive congressional districts and we worked up and down the state uh, from the 10th district uh, in, in Northern California to the 49th district in, in San Diego uh, and worked with student leaders across the state, um, you know, to really bring it home for the, uh, for the Democrats. As someone who works closely with the youth vote, as you call it, the 18 to 24 year olds, the college students, they're really a, a sought after demographic. What advice do you have to some of the uh, perhaps more established organizations or more established politicians who seemingly try to reach out and connect with these people, um, but don't always actually make it work? What, what, what guidance would you give them for how to actually build that connection? That's a, that's a really good and important question, and, and I appreciate you raising it because I think oftentimes you know, people assume that young people uh, will, will just support the Democratic candidate um, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, there's no, there's no point in even trying or others assume that young people don't vote. So why would we spend money, time, resources, energy trying to reach them? Um, and that, that's, you know, part of what we're, we're trying to change, uh, as an organization long-term is to transform how, uh, the democratic party and the progressive movement at large engages with, uh, and, and how, how they value. Um, my generation, our generation. Uh, I think, you know, maybe one or, or two things come up off the top of my head. The first is is really listening. And it sounds so simple. It sounds so, so simple. But you'd be surprised the number of times I'll be in a room with other organizational leaders uh, who, who truly, honestly think they know better than I do because of how old I am. I'm 23 years old. I have so much to learn. Uh, but I know a thing or two particularly about my, my people, uh, young people. Um, and um, I think the same approach uh, applies to folks, you know, candidates or what have you who are reaching out. Um, you may be more qualified. You may have been doing politics longer, but you don't know the right messaging that will work for students in Omaha necessarily. And what's relevant and important to the students in Omaha where we were working in 2018 is, could be totally different than the students we were working with in Miami. Um, and uh, we found a lot of success in, in just listening to, well, what, what's important to you? Uh, what challenges are you facing? And how, how could we help? And I think those are you know, really simple, easy questions um, that make young people feel like they've actually had a voice in this and they've had a say in things. Um, and you know, maybe to expand on what that could look like specifically for an organization or a campaign. Um, if you don't have some sort of youth advisory board or committee or even just elevating your interns to have a say on uh, uh, some sort of decisions, not the final say, but to bring them into important conversations within your organization to hear their perspective about things, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a missed opportunity more than anything because um, we know that uh, diversity of perspective, of background, of age uh, leads us all to make better decisions about and anything from resources and how to move them to messaging to, uh, you know, uh, what type of event might work best for a certain audience. So um, I think really bringing those folks uh, into the conversation, even if they don't have the resume you know, to, to prove it, so to speak. But we all have, you know, unique opinions about things and, and we, we believe everybody should be heard. 
uh, uh, as when it comes to making organizational decisions. So, um, and, and then the second thing that's a little more lighthearted is, um, you know, if you're trying to host events with young folks and nobody's really showing up, just bring some pizza. That's going to make all the difference. And we really, I, I say, I say <laughs> this seriously. I really say it seriously because that's one of the things we found. When we were making grants to students uh, in 2018, um, you know, they filled out a budget on their own. We, we gave them a guidance, you know, uh, you know, consider spending money on this or on that. Uh, the, the most outstanding budget item was money for food for events. And it will, your turnout will increase, you know, three times. Uh, if there's, you know, local pizzeria there uh, or donuts for the early morning canvas uh, or lunch provided, you know, after the canvas shift. Um, it's a micro barrier that people, that, that gets in people's way. And, and truly, I mean, it will make a difference. Uh, and it's, it's so cheap uh, relative to the impact it has. So don't forget the pizza. All of those things sound so simple, um, but to your point, they, they can really go a long way. So hopefully people who were listening uh, found some value there and can start to incorporate some of that into their own work. I have one last question for you. You mentioned you all are a pack. You need supporters. You need funding. You're working on some revenue streams. How can people find you? How can they find your work? How could they support Blue Future if they wanted to get involved? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. We do need support. We're in a good place right now, but there, again, are so many students who are doing just really critically important work to register their peers, and, and I should say both high school and college students who are recruiting volunteers for important campaigns. Uh, and if you've ever run a campaign, you know nothing can get done without a core base of volunteers. And that's what Blue Future at our core, that's what we do is we supply campaigns with high quality, motivated, passionate young volunteers who will, again, not only vote for the candidate and get young people to vote for that candidate, but who will mobilize the community to support the candidate in a way that is very cost-effective uh, and, uh, and over the long term, uh, sh- making these strategic investments in youth leaders is something our movement needs to do a lot better with uh, and, and sort of sustaining a pipeline of uh, young activists uh, for the future is what we hope to do. Uh, so folks can find us across social media. Uh, if you look up Blue Future on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Uh, Our website is ourbluefuture.us, and there's a link to donate. We'd be so glad uh, to to earn your support. We'd love to be in touch with anybody, uh, old, young, uh, doesn't matter, who who is engaged in this work and understand how we might be able to work together uh, and and how we might be able to move our country uh, in in the right direction. So, uh, Nathan, thanks so much for having me. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. And for our listeners, uh, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. Rate us five stars. That's how people find us. Um, And stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks.